large part because this is a passage that has uh, been on my mind as we've been going through COVID, specifically towards the end of COVID. I've been mulling it over and how much I think uh, we need to understand what's in it, particularly here at the end. And uh, I'll tell you a story before we jump into the text. When my wife was pregnant with our first child, Ambrose, about seven or eight months pregnant, we were living in, in Texas, and this particular summer had about like 100 days, over 100 degrees, and it was very hot, and uh, she was, it was probably about July, um, and so self-conscious of saying July. So in the South, you say July, okay? So let's just, let's just say that from here on out. Uh, <laughs> And my, my wife, Sarah, she, uh, we went on this long road trip. And if you're late into a pregnancy and it's really hot, that's just not a great thing to do. Um, and we got back to the house and her ankles were like three times the size that they should be. And we got her on the couch and legs up so that she could rest. And as you think about uh, COVID in our country, I think we're about seven months pregnant. Um, and the end is in sight, at least it appears to be, and it's, it's going to be really tempting for us to get antsy and do things that our body really isn't super capable of doing, and what we really need to do is uh, rest, rest in Christ, and uh, that's what this passage shows us. Uh, it, in fact, it says that Jesus is the one who calls you to rest, but it's not something that you particularly do. It's uh, you actually coming to a person. That that is the gospel, that you have God in the flesh saying, I I want to attach myself to you. And we're going to look at that uh, under these three points, and then I'll read the text. The cause of unrest, the secret about restlessness, and the invitation to rest. So, After Jesus pronounced a judgment on these three towns that were sort of militant towards Rome, he says this. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and you've revealed them to little children. Remember that? That's the word apocalypse. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's spend some time in silence and then we'll pray. Father, we ask that you would bless us now by your spirit, that you would bring us rest. We pray for those uh, in their homes today. We pray for those physically present here that you would pour your spirit out and teach us what it means to yoke ourselves to your son Jesus, um, to find rest for our souls. 
to know that we do not make the world spin, but you do, and that we can be okay with that. And so, Lord, uh, so many of us have have gone through over the past year just uh, anxious day after anxious day, worried about the future, worried about death, or worried about whatever it is that's in front of us. And so, Lord, we are exhausted and we're tired. And that's great news, you say, because you only come for tired people. The offer of the gospel is only for those who are needy and restless. And so, Lord, that's us today. So would you come? Would you come with the great gospel that you've been given to generations before us? And give it to us now. In Christ's name, amen. So point one, the cause of unrest. I have a friend who the majority of our conversations when I first met him, this is like the first six years of our lives uh, together as friends, he would say constantly um, that he just wanted a wife. If he had a wife and a family, he would be happy. And that wasn't like a a one-time conversation. It was like, Every night, roomed with him in college, and he kept kind of repeating this. And fast forward in his life, and he did end up getting a wife and a family. And I was talking to him on the phone a few years back, and uh, he said something that really struck me, and it was so uh, peculiar that I decided to write it down. This is a direct quote from my friend. He said, if my family got in an accident, and I lost my wife and children, sad though it may be, I don't think I would remarry because I would enjoy the freedom of being single. And I told him, I was like, I, I laughed a little bit and I was like, I wish I had that, like, I wish I could just import that, what you just said to your younger self to prove to you that that's not all that you wanted. And the reason why I tell you that is not because my friend is so delusional and I don't want to depress you about family or spouses, but he was voicing something that I think is in all of us at some level, which is this, that we think our circumstances are the the reason why we feel restless. We think that there is something that can actually uh, calm us down and satiate a deep desire within us. And my friend wasn't taking responsibility of his own emotions, and he was projecting his dissatisfaction with himself onto his circumstances, which is what we do all the time in many ways. And that's what was really going on deep in his soul. Again, uh, this kind of thing is way more spiritual um, than we think it is. Frederick Nietzsche said, we are all in haste because we are in flight from ourselves. And here's the great news today. Uh, Jesus knows this about us, that we are restless. And if much of our life is characterized by a steady unrest, And we are tired of looking to things in our lives that will not and can't calm us down. This is the beautiful part about the gospel. Jesus says in verse 25, then we can actually hear what he's saying today. That we actually will get the gospel on deeper levels unless, as opposed to if we're unwilling to admit that we are restless. If we don't start from that deep place of need, 
then Jesus says, what he's saying to you is going to be hidden from your heart, hidden from your eyes. Christianity says that the cause of all unrest is not being yoked to Jesus. That's an agricultural uh, term. And the fact that Jesus calls us to yoke ourselves to him doesn't mean that we are partial to Christ. It doesn't mean that we think some of his teachings are cool. It means that we are to place our neck like a cow in his yoke, which he steers and he takes us where he wants to go. And Jesus says that that is the path to finding that deep inner soul rest that you desperately need and want. To yoke yourself to Christ. Augustine put it like this. Many of you have heard this. Uh, God made us to find rest in Him. And we will not rest until we do that. Until we yoke ourselves to Him. This is the reason why um, you can listen to sermons. Uh, you can read your Bible. You can know a lot of stuff about Jesus. You can read theological stuff. And you can speak truths about Jesus, but you still might be very, very restless and anxious. It's because, Jesus says, that at the core, you haven't said, Jesus, wherever you want to take me, however you want to take me, I am yours. Look at verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. There's been a lot of ink spilled on that verse. It's been argued about by many. But when Jesus says that He alone knows the Father, He's saying, I am the source of life for all of humanity because I'm the only one to ever live that's not scared to be completely controlled by God. Anything I see the Father doing, Jesus says, I do. And therefore, Jesus is never restless about His existence. He knew exactly who He was. He knew exactly what He was doing. And no one knows God unless I reveal him to them, says Jesus. He never once felt like an imposter or a fraud. He never once had any shame or contempt for himself. Now, here's the deal. To be fully alive, to be truly human, is to know God and to let him control you. And that's done through experientially coming to Jesus. That's Christianity. So again, some of us may know that, but that's not our actual experience in life. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about uh, self-care. And in order to care for others, we need to take care of ourselves. And I'm, I'm on board with that, except I have very, uh, one very large problem in my own life that prevents me from doing that. And it's called shame. And what I do with my shame, and again, you may not be like me, but what I do with my shame is that I hurt myself and I hurt others with it through contempt. And part of the beauty of this passage to me 
is that I, when I hear Jesus say, I am so gentle and lowly in my heart, I can't even be gentle and lowly with myself. And that's when Jesus says, you can come to me. All who are heavy laden, who've hurt yourself so many times, who can't live under the burden of your own standards, come to me and you can find rest. Because the secret about the kingdom of God is that Jesus loves to share himself with restless people. Exhausted people, shame-filled people. That's the second point, the secret about restlessness. I don't know if you guys pay attention to the lyrics of the hymns that we sing, but one of them that we sang uh, last week, and the songs this week were great too, but one of them we sang last week says, Come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Part of the secret of the gospel comes at the very moments in your life when you're feeling the most weak and tired and sinful. And we understand, this is the key, we understand the kingdom of God best when we don't have anything to offer God except work, the work of covering our sin. When Jesus is speaking in verse 25 and 26, he's saying that it's actually pleasurable to God that this is how the gospel works itself out in our lives. That it's very different than anything else in the world. And everything else, whether it's religion or something secular, your approach to improvement is founded on how well you're doing or how likable you are or how hard you're working. It's based on your performance. It is. That's why you get paychecks, because you perform. And Jesus says, you can't come to me like that. You have to come to me like a little child. You know, children aren't concerned with how they look when they're young. They're not concerned with how you perceive them. And really, children, all they have to offer you back is like more work. They are very needy. And they're totally unconcerned with how much of a burden they are to you. And Jesus says, that's how I want you to come to me. Verse 25, Father, I'm so glad that your kingdom is like this. The world says, be driven by success. Work for what you get. And Jesus says, I would like to work for you. I will perform for you. And Jesus says, if you don't let me, you're going to place your neck in another yoke and it will eventually break your neck because it's too heavy. Even the own, your own yoke that you would create for yourself. I have a um, friend who, this is how it becomes real in your life, y'all. Um, I have a friend who said that he went to church and he was having a very bad day. He's in a sour, sour mood. And in this particular church, when they would serve communion, they would place a white sheet over the elements. And so he knew that communion was coming. He was like, man, I don't want to do that. Uh, not tonight. And he began to say, like, maybe I should read a song to get myself prepared to take this. And um, he, he 
when it came time for communion, he was like, I, I didn't enjoy the, the entire service. And the elements were passed out to him, and he, and he just said, God, uh, I don't care about you today. I don't even want to be here. And he said, I, I did not hear an audible voice, but it was as if God said, that's exactly why I came. That's what this meal points to. That's what it's for. And he said the numbness that he felt towards God that entire day vanished in a split second. Jesus comes and says, look, I know <laughs> that you struggle to love God. And I know that you're ashamed of it. And most of us run around in our lives trying to hide from that fact, either through rebellion or religion. And he says, you need to come to me and find rest. The secret to my kingdom is that the really tired and the lowly get in, but the proud are out. And the moment you sense that that's true, you actually begin to be motivated to move towards God by love. Not to try to get something from him, but just to get him. Because he's that enjoyable. Leon Morris, he, he said, it's not that Jesus demanded less from his followers, but it was a different kind of following and done in a different spirit. You guys remember the movie Chariots of Fire? Abrams, he said, I have 10 seconds, two runners. Abrams said, I have 10 seconds to prove my existence out on that track. That's why I run. And Eric Little said, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's what the Christian life is like. That's what rest feels like. That you have the pleasure of God beaming down on you. And you're not trying to earn anything. These runners look the same, but one of the fundamental differences with Christianity is that you're not struggling for freedom. You're free to struggle. You obey, you do good things for a drastically different reason than anyone else in the world. It's because you want to. The secret is that Christianity is for people who are numb towards God, who are tired, who are needy, people who can never quite get it together, and we won't actually enjoy God unless you, unless you believe that. The simplicity of the gospel lies in the simplicity of the invitation. So in this moment, as you read the text, as you hear Jesus say to you right now, come to me. Come. What does that do to your heart? Uh, I have the great privilege uh, as a pastor this is one of my favorite things about being a pastor. Um, I get invited into people's lives when they're the most exhausted. They're the most close to death. They're the most scared. They're the most needy. And that's when the gospel can become so attractive to people. It's when Jesus begins to actually make sense to people. It's when the head and the heart begin to connect. And you know you've met the real Jesus if in those moments you feel closer to Christ, not further away in the midst of failure, brokenness, pain. But this isn't a one-time thing. It's a lifetime thing that occurs over the course of one's life. 
says Jesus. And the book of Hebrews says, in order to experience God like that over the long haul, daily, is that you have to strive to enter that rest. And what I want to talk to you about as we close today is two very practical ways to strive to enter that rest. And I want, it, I want it to be like the difference between, um, you know, the difference between RSVPing to a party and actually going in. That's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is looking at the Pharisees. He'll say later on in the Gospel of Matthew, he's like, look, you Pharisees, you put all these burdens on people. You tell them to do all this stuff to get right with God, and you're not willing to lift a finger to help them. He says, you slam the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, but you won't even go in yourself. And what I want to tell you is what it's like to go in. To come. And the first part about going to the party of rest is that you have to approach Jesus in those moments when you feel like you have nothing to offer and you actually have to be honest about your heart. Just like my friend at the communion table. So many times when the bottom falls out in our lives, and it has for many of us over the course of this year, it's just like, I don't know how to be a Christian. I don't know what to do. Like, I, like you're telling me to like rest in Christ. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. How, how, do, I, how do I do that? This is, this is my answer. You need to wake up tomorrow or go home today and you need to remind yourself that God knows you, is here, and He desires intimacy with you. And then you need to do that for 10 more years. And the reason why is because if you do that for 10 years, you're going to realize something very profound you're going to realize that you have changed and your circumstances have changed dramatically, but God's disposition towards you is still the exact same. And it won't ever change. And that's the pattern of the yoke of Jesus until you get to the end of your life, which is the greatest of all circumstances and the test of your faith. And the question is going to come, are you going to be able to rest? Are you going to be able to fall asleep in Christ? Will you have rest for both your body and soul? And Jesus says to you right now, don't you want that kind of rest? Don't you want to be able to face that kind of hardship and have that kind of security? And he says, well, come today. Both for the non-Christian and the Christian. It's the same call. It says, and I will make your burden light. Jesus promises that if we come to him instead of running from him or distracting ourselves, that he will be there with us. And it starts by actually speaking to him. That's the first step, to be honest. And the second step uh, is that you need to invite others into the exposure of the places where you feel particularly shameful and vulnerable and let others be with you. The great thing about Jesus is that he doesn't offer you a theory, but he offers you himself. He says, come and attach yourself to me, and get the, if you want to get the full effect of what that's like, 
You need to tell others about it. You need to tell others about your pain. And that's what it means to to follow the path of Jesus, is that you bring others alongside of you, and you tell people about your deep struggles, and you open yourself up. When you do that, you do open yourself up to more pain, but that's the path of love and rest. If we don't let others in, this is why we're all addicted to things. To food, to porn, to exercise, to politics. When we don't have real tangible people to be with us in our pain, we have to fill that up in some way. And we will. That's how God created us. Because we're looking for rest. And the only way to let others in and to keep them in is to be so set and solid on the love and rest of Christ that you, you believe it. You believe it to actually be true in your life. So the next time you're exhausted or scared, this is what I want you to do. You need to first say, all right, Jesus, you said you're better. You said that you are for me and that you will give me rest. And so I need you to do that. I'm cashing that check in. I'm ready. You go to him out of desperation, not devotion. And then secondly, I want you to tell somebody about that. I want you to tell somebody and say, I've been such a terrible person and I need you to pray for me. I need your, I, I, I need your friendship. I need you to be with me in this. Um, I'm going to tell you about my limited experience in a, my beginning life of prayer. Um, I remember the first time I tried to pray it, it was all I could do to last five minutes. You guys, uh, I don't know if you're office fans in here, but remember that time when Michael was trying to have like a kind conversation with Toby and he was like, oh, I, can't, I just can't do it. Um, that's what it was like when I first tried to pray. But I kept at it. And slowly, I began to understand what Paul was saying. is like, put on the resurrection clothes. It began to not feel so unnatural to me to talk to somebody that I couldn't see. And there's a sense into which now I can't really remember what it was like not to pray. But it didn't start there. It starts in the present moment. Think like couch to 5K. You put one foot in front of the other and what you say is, in this moment, in this very moment, can I believe that God is real and that he's good? I'm not called to worry about tomorrow, but can I do that right here? And you may wake up 20 years from now and find yourself being someone who couldn't imagine a different way of life than communion with God, being your ultimate hope. And it's that transition from like having a prayer life to having a life of prayer or a Christian life to actually being a Christian. And that's because your whole being becomes full of Christ, full of rest. Uh, Jesus invites you into that type of rest today, and I'll just warn you, if that's something very new to you today, it's the same exact call as if you were on your deathbed. It's the same thing. Everyone's a beginner in here. 
Everyone's needy. And Christ's continual call in our lives is to be childlike and to remember what it's like to be childlike. That's the thing I think we need to make it in these last few uh, months or however long we have in COVID. We're going to get back to Revelation next week. Um, Let's pray and prepare to confess our sins. Father, we thank you for the rest that you've given us in Jesus Christ. And we ask, Lord, that we uh, would yoke ourselves to you and find deep rest for our souls. Amen.